we are starting a new series in Philippians, and we have called it Enduring Hope, because the book of Philippians is just full of this message of what it looks like to thrive against opposition, which sounds counterintuitive, but the Lord has a good work that he wants to do in us when we come up against opposition and we learn how to endure and find hope and joy in those things. And our staff has been reading through Philippians, we've been praying into it, and we truly believe that God has a specific and special word for our church in this season for what we're stepping into next. So we're excited to kick it off together this morning. Um, and as we begin this morning, I want you to think about about your start and your faith journey, your heritage in the faith. So I want you to think about the people and the places that first encouraged you to love the Lord, that first encouraged you that you are loved by the Lord, that showed you who Christ was and um, walked you into that. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I haven't really decided yet if I want to be in a relationship with God, but you're in this room for a reason. Maybe somebody spoke to you, showed you something encouraging, and you're trying to figure that out. So if that's you, think about those things. Think about that person that showed you some encouragement um, as we step into the series this morning. For me, if I'm thinking about it, it would be this really small Church of Christ in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, that I went to as a child, and I can just imagine the sanctuary. They had the carpet. You all know what I'm talking about, the carpeted stairs up to the stage. I can imagine the stained glass window, the um, walls of all dark paneled wood, the ceiling of all dark paneled wood. Um, but more importantly, I can imagine my grandmother singing hymns and in the church that she took my mother and my aunt and uncle to every single Sunday, the church where my parents met in the youth group and started dating and eventually got married right out of high school. And, and while all of these stories are so special to me and they mean a lot to my grandmother and to my parents and to my siblings, what's more amazing is the work that I got to see done in my husband in college when he came to know the Lord or the work that I'm seeing happen in my daughter as we raise her up to know the Lord and I'm praying that she does incredible things through the kingdom and for the kingdom. So we see this heritage of faith that's written in all of our stories. And I wish that we could all go around this morning and share things that were coming to mind for you as I was talking about the church that I grew up in um, and the different people and places that you were imagining that speak into the story of how you came into the faith. But since we all can't go around and share this morning, I want to encourage you, if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you and just share something that you were imagining while I was talking about my story. Right, so as you're sharing, I'm sure some of you talked about places, maybe a church community that you grew up in, or maybe the home of a friend where you were invited to dinner and first heard about the love of Jesus. Maybe it was your campus ministry, or just a mentor that poured into you, or a friend who loved on you and encouraged you to see the love of Christ and to walk into those things. Well, Philippians is a book about community. It's a book about a church community that has been shaped by an incredible heritage from the Lord. And it's one that is growing in maturity and faithfulness so that it can continue to live out the kingdom calling that God has called it to step into. And I think the, true, the same is true for us today. All of us have these incredible stories of how we came to the faith, this faith heritage that has ushered us into this place today where we are trying to live for the kingdom in our community and continue that movement of the gospel. So today we have some fun things planned to start off this series, things that are a little different than what we normally do that I'm excited about. But before we do those things, I wanna share a little bit about the heritage of the church in Philippians and this faith story that God wrote for them that impacted the work that they were doing in Philippians. So today we're going to start 
not in, sorry guys, uh, my mic's doing something funky, but not in Philippians chapter one, but actually in Acts chapter 16, where the church at Philippi was birthed. So go ahead, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 16. We're gonna be jumping around in there a little bit. Um, but while we're moving through Acts chapter 16, I want us to ask this question throughout these different stories that we're going to look at. And it is, what has been sown into the story? That is the question that I want us to ask over and over again. What has been sown into the story? So Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says this, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows in his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of the faith. So there are these things that are sown into our life, into our story, into the lives of those around us, kingdom work that God has done in each of us that has equipped us to continue this kingdom work that God has called us to. And we want to ask those questions as we dig into this, this story in Acts 16 about the birth of the church in Philippi. Um, what has been sown into this story? What kingdom things has the church of Philippi reaped because of what was sown in Acts 16 and what can we learn from that here today at Grace Marietta? Okay, so in Acts 16, it starts out with Paul meeting Timothy and inviting him to continue on this missionary journey that he's been on with Silas. And so they've been on this missionary journey. It's Paul's second missionary journey. And Mark, should I grab the hand mic? Okay, great. I don't wanna annoy you guys all morning. That's no fun. Okay. Is that better? Yes. Okay, great. No one wants to hear that. Okay. So, um, like I was saying, Paul is setting off on his second missionary journey. He's with Timothy. He's with Silas. And they're trying to figure out what they're doing next, where they're going next. And the Holy Spirit tells them in verse 16, don't go in Asia. Don't continue in Asia. Don't preach the gospel in Asia anymore. I have something new for you. And then in verse 7, they try to go to a couple of different cities, but the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, stops them from going there too. And so they're just trying, honestly, I feel like what they're trying to do, I really feel for them, is they're just like, we're trying to preach the gospel, Lord, and everywhere we go, your Spirit is preventing us from going there. We're trying to find the next people that you want to speak to, and you're not letting us go anywhere. But the beautiful thing is that God was really guiding them into what was next. He had this beautiful plan for what he wanted to do for the church in Philippi. And so God keeps putting up these roadblocks until we get to verse 9, which says this. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. Cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony in a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. Okay, so right off the bat, there's a lot for us to learn about the church in Philippi from these few verses in Acts 16. First, for you history people, for your context people that like to know some stuff, I want us to point to verse 12, which says, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. So the city of Philippi was founded by Augustus Caesar after they won the Battle of Philippi in 42 BC. And the interesting thing is that it was founded by the army veterans who helped win this war. So this group of soldiers, former soldiers, founded the city of Philippi. And because it was an Augustan colony, um, they got all these perks because Augustus Caesar was a big deal. So they got some tax breaks, they got some land um, assistance, different things like that. So because of this combination of the tax breaks and the land and the Roman soldiers um, founding this colony, they had this deep ingrained loyalty to Rome and to Roman leadership. And we're gonna see that come up later, even later in Acts 16, 
because this is a people who doesn't want to go against anything that the Roman leadership is doing. They're loyal to Roman custom, Roman tradition, Roman ways. And in Philippians 1, we see Paul alluding to some persecution that the church is experiencing. And part of that would have come from these deep Roman traditions and ties that are um, that exist in um, this colony of Rome in Philippi. So for those of you that find that interesting, there's your history for the day. Um, Secondly, I want you to see what God is doing here. God had a plan, a really incredible plan to advance the gospel in ways that Paul couldn't even probably conceive. I mean, Paul had a really big imagination for what mission could look like. He was ready to go anywhere for the Lord, and I'm sure he could not have imagined this. He could not have imagined that the gospel would advance in such a way that all of us would be in this room today praising the Lord because of what started here in Philippi. Because the really cool thing about the Church of Philippi is that it was the first church planted in Europe. The first Christian church planted in all of Europe. So what was happening here, what God ordained by the Holy Spirit blocking Paul's different pathways, was an advancement of the gospel that would start in Europe and then continue out throughout the whole world. Not always done in the best ways, but we're here this morning, so good things came of it, right? Okay. Um, So I just have to say that. Um... But it's incredible what the Lord did. And it was all through one man who had his ears and his heart and his mind open to what the Lord wanted to do. Paul was not on a mission to just go to whatever city he found to be the most fitting for his day. He wanted to hear from the Lord and act and obey with what the Lord said so that he could advance the gospel in the way that God had in mind, which is incredible. So what we see here with the start of Paul through his faithfulness, through his listening to the Lord and acting on what the Lord called him to, we start to see what is sown into the story of the church in Philippians. Because when we start to dive into Philippians, into the letter of Philippians that Paul wrote, we see God say a few things to the church. He calls them prayerful. He calls them discerning. He calls them obedient. And all of these things that he declares over them started through him setting the example that when we listen to the Lord and we act on what the Lord is calling us to do, the gospel will be advanced in incredible ways. And we see this pattern throughout the book of Philippians um, when we're going to dig into that later throughout the fall. They're living out this heritage of faith that Paul established through listening to the Lord. Okay, let's keep going in Acts 16, verse 13, which says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So here we have this story of this Jewish woman named Lydia converting to Christianity when Paul shares the good news with this group of Jewish women. And we don't know this with complete certainty. The scripture does not say, and here was the first convert to the faith in all of Europe. It does not say that. But because of this prominence of her story right here at the start of the church in Philippi, I feel like it's safe to say that that is what she was. She was the first person that converted to the faith in Europe, which as a woman standing up here, I find to be incredible. She was paving the way, pioneering the church in in, um, Europe by listening to the good news and receiving it and acting on it. Okay, so let's go back to our, our first question. What do we see sown into the story of Lydia? To answer this question, I think we have to go back to everything that we were imagining at the start of this message. Think back to how you first felt when the good news of Christ, the love of Christ opened your heart. It says that in verse 14, that her heart was open to the Lord. She heard the good news and she received it and she understood the deep love that Christ had for her to the point that she was compelled into action. What Lydia does here is so significant. She receives the good news and she doesn't just sit there and say, well, that felt nice. She does something. She moves. She immediately begins to leverage all that she has for the kingdom because Lydia is in a really unique position in the city of Philippi. 
Today we would call her a successful entrepreneur. She was a wealthy businesswoman. She had this business in the purple cloth industry, which means that she would have been a woman of means, and she would have been a leader in her community. I love what it says here um, in verse 15. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So that means she went up to them, and she said something to them so compelling that we were like, they went to her home. I'm sure you can imagine, this is like my mom, like, okay, you're here. I've received the Lord. I've received the good news. We got to go to my house. I have food. I have this huge home. Let's go. I will not take no for an answer. You all know the kind of people I'm talking about that just want to smother you in hospitality and love. But I truly believe that she was so compelled by the love she felt for Jesus that she was ready to use whatever resources she had, whatever she had to leverage for this kingdom movement. And she just got on board and was ready to help advance the gospel. And the beautiful thing that we see that happens later in the letter of Philippians is this heritage that she established by being the first person to act on how to advance the gospel with Paul in the city of Philippi. So as we've established, the book of Philippians was written by the apostle Paul, and he wrote this letter to the church while he was on his third missionary journey. So it's kind of a lot to keep track of. Second missionary journey is when he came to Philippi, third missionary journey, he finds himself in prison, most likely in Rome, and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippians. And it's actually a thank you note for the generous gift that someone from the church in Philippi brought to him to help him out, to help meet his needs while he was in prison. And so here we see the spirit of what Lydia established when she first came into the faith, first started teaming up with Paul, continue into the church in Philippi, where they are known for being, Paul says this about them in the, church, in the letter to Philippians, that they are partners in the gospel. And this is the example that Lydia set. She said, okay, I've received the good news, and now I want to partner with you in it. I want to give you what I have to advance this good news so that other people can hear about the love of Christ. Paul also calls them loving, generous, successful, and kind. And it's amazing to see how the church continues to live out this heritage of faith that Lydia began when she said yes to the Lord and started to live out in obedience the things that God had called her to. Okay, continuing in verse 16, there's a lot of cool stories about the start of the church of Philippi. So Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. A little bit of a turn here. Um, she made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. And this is my favorite part. Paul was greatly annoyed. So he finally like reached his max. He's like, I tried to be patient with you and you are now killing me. Like we got to do something about this. So turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. Seriously. Um, I feel like that's like a 2023 word, not a Bible word. Um, they are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans. There's that throwback to their Roman heritage to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. Again, this is where we see that, that deep loyalty to Rome. He's like, I messed up. I failed my country. Like, I cannot go on. I, I have to die now because I let all these prisoners escape and I have failed. I'm not loyal to Rome anymore. Um, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all of his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. Okay, thanks for hanging in there for that. That was a a chunk of scripture right there. But here we continue to see these works, these good works that Paul and his crew are doing as they are going through the city of Philippi and and, um, laying the foundation for the church there. So there's a lot that we could dive into here. Um, I encourage you as we go through Philippians throughout the fall, keep coming back to these passages passages in Acts 16 and ask the Lord what he was doing. What was he establishing that led to the values and the different things that the church in Philippi was living out? But for this morning, we want to keep asking that question. What do we see sown into these stories? And I think the first thing that we see is that Paul and his crew came up against a lot of opposition. So when they started trying to advance the kingdom in Philippi, all of these things started happening to them. A demon-possessed girl started following them around for days. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're living out the work of the Lord and a demon-possessed person starts following you around, you're probably on the right track, right? Like, that is not a normal thing to happen. But the enemy was coming and trying to oppress them, trying to stop them from advancing the gospel here in Philippi. And then after this, they get flogged, they get beaten, they get tortured, they get thrown in prison um, where they're chained up, which would be very, very uncomfortable. Like we can't even fathom what this would have felt like and been like. But the incredible thing that Paul and Silas do here is they don't wallow in it. They aren't crushed by it. I mean, they might feel that a little bit. I think we can all experience two things at once, right? Um, So they might have felt some of the crushing, but they push back against the opposition by doing the work of the Lord. So when this demon-possessed girl is following them around, Paul heals her. He steps in. Of course, it does say he gets annoyed first. So, you know, again, we can feel two things at once. Um, So he's annoyed, but then he does the work of the Lord. He steps in and heals this girl. And we don't get to see her whole story after this. We don't know what happens next. But we can imagine that her life is probably better than being enslaved by a demon and this couple that was using her for fortune-telling, which is a horrific story when you spell it out like that. Um, but then not only that, when they get thrown in prison, they combat the oppression through worship, through prayer, no matter their circumstances, they do whatever they can to continue advancing the gospel. That is their goal. That is the mission that they have been put on for people to know and hear the good news of Christ so that they will believe and enter into a relationship with him. And no matter what hardship they are experiencing, This is what they are sowing into the community. And we continue to see this in the book of Philippians. Time and time again, Paul is encouraging them that no matter what opposition they are facing, to endure, to find hope, to find joy, and in that hope and in that joy to advance the gospel. What we really see here is that Paul has this deep confidence in the Lord that what he says he is going to do, he will do. And this belief, his strong faith, the way that he walks it out here by standing up against the things that are oppressing him to further the gospel, those are the things that are laying the foundation for the church in Philippi. And honestly, what has laid the foundation for us as believers today, that we are meant, despite what comes against us, despite our circumstances, to walk them out with the Lord, trusting that he is good and that he will see us through and that he will keep giving us ways in community to serve him and advance the gospel. Okay, in this final part of the chapter, Paul and Silas are released from prison, and then we see this in verse 40. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. So what we're really seeing here is like the first house church in Philippi. So we started the chapter or the story of Philippi with Lydia, and she's offering up her home for Paul and his crew to come and hang out there. But by the end, in verse 40, we see that the brothers and sisters are there, which means the church is there. The church is meeting in her home. She has opened it up and laid the groundwork for this church to grow and to thrive. So she's essentially hosting and leading the first house church in Europe. How cool is that, right? Yes. Okay. So here we see that so much of the origin of what happened in 
Philippi has carried into the church as it stands in Philippians when Paul is writing to them. This heritage of faith that was established through these miraculous stories, the work that God did, this kingdom movement that he established are the things that Paul is speaking to when he writes this letter to the Philippians um, that we're going to continue learning about for the rest of this fall. But as I was reading this, these are the questions that were coming to mind for me. Um, What is the story of this church here at Grace Marietta? What is our heritage of the faith? What are the things that have been sown into our story that we are reaping today? What is the harvest that the Lord has been preparing for us through the history, through the establishment of our church here? And how can we as a church community prepare ourselves for the harvest that's coming because of the things that other people have sown into this church? I truly believe that the Lord has an incredible inheritance for the city of Marietta. People that he wants to know him, people that he wants to experience the love of Christ. And we have been set up here and equipped here to advance the gospel through the story that God has written in our church. So today, um, as we continue, I want us to hear some of those stories of the church and how it started and how it was established. So I have some special guests from our church that I'm going to invite up in just a second, and we're going to hear some of those stories of how the church originated to learn what that means for us today at Grace Marietta. But um, before they come up, I want everyone in the room to stand for me. Okay, if you've been attending this church for less than a year, I want you to sit down. All right, less than two years. I see some mental math happening. I love it. Um, I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, what year is it? Um, I need this one. Yes, thank you. Y'all are wonderful. Um, Less than three years. Five years. Okay, I want you to sit down unless you started coming here the first year that the church started. Yeah, Brian, stay standing. I think, I think you're in that category from, from rumors that I've heard um, from other people. Um, okay, everyone, I want you to look around at these people. These are the people that sowed the story of Grace Marietta. This is our Act 16 community right here. The people that prayed for and heard the call of the Lord and established a church that you are now sitting in today because of the things that that God did through them as they listen to the words that God had spoken over them. Thank you all so much. You all can have a seat. We appreciate so much the work that you all have done to establish this church um, and how you heard from the Lord and were obedient to that. It's just beautiful. Um, Okay, so I want to now invite up Teresa Inlow, Avery Guthrie, Cecile Vilongo, and Silvana Tuttle. You all can come up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you need have a seat wherever you would like? Do you need to go? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, they were going to use this mic, but. Oh, yeah, scooch down one, Teresa. I'll sit there. Sorry, I said wherever, but I lied to you. That was just a lie. Okay. So I'm going to ask them some questions. Y'all can share that one. That's for you guys. I'm going to keep this one can pass it around amongst yourselves. So I'm going to ask them some questions, and they're just going to share a little bit of the story of how our church started. Um, So first for um, Cecile and Silvana, I have this question. What was it like to see this community form? I mean, for for the people in the room that don't even know how this community started, maybe share a little bit of that story. Um, But then just what was it like to see it form and to see that happen? (laughs) So we... The group that started the church used to go to um, a sister church called Grace Midtown in the city, and we were a house church meeting in a, in a home. And we had, I don't know, 10, 15 couples and 30 children. So we were basically operating as a church. Um, and I was thinking about this this morning, what, how it actually, you know, you forget certain things, but what I kept remembering it, what, was that there was this holy discontent um, and we just wanted more. We wanted more of God. We wanted, we had built this amazing community and we were a really close and tight-knit group, but we just wanted more. And I think God honored that request and, and that's kind of, it was the stepping stone for what happened next. So 
I know this as a story, but um, maybe somebody can correct me. Um, but when Buddy was going through his physical ailment in the um, hospital room, and he was miraculously restored, God, he was looking out the window towards East Cobb, Marietta, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to build a church in Marietta, East Cobb. His church, of course, was in Snellville. He's already built so many churches around the greater Atlanta area, and he said, God, there's so many churches there. Why do we need another church in Marietta? That was what I heard him, you know, but God was adamant. So when he got better, <laughs> this is Buddy. <laughs> he, instead of owning it, he comes to our house church. He comes to our house church, and he and Matt Reynolds at the time was, you know, our pastor at Grace Midtown. And they both sat, and I remember we were in the house in a circle, and they started to say their, whatever they were thinking God was saying, and as he was, they were talking, I, I just, I felt this excitement in my spirit, and I said, this is God. I, my, my, I didn't say anything yet. I said, this is God. This is God. And, um, <laughs> and I said, um, this is, has nothing to do with man. This, I, I, in my mind, I was thinking, this is a pure work of God. This is God speaking. And then when I looked at, we had three co-leaders in our house church, Silvana, the Tuttles, and, and two other couples. And when I looked at them, and saw the shock in their faces when, they, when Buddy was saying, and you will basically lead this new church plant. These guys were not even trained in pastoring. But then I said, okay, God, you gotta do some real convincing <laughs> because they were just in denial, I think, and in shock. Yeah, and Buddy, for those of you that don't know, was the founder of the Grace Family of Churches. So, again, for those of you that don't know, we're part of a family of churches. There's 10 churches in the state of Georgia. There's some churches out of state. Um, it's really cool that we're part of this movement, but Buddy was the founder of all of that, who encouraged them to start this church, um, which is really cool. Um, what were those early gatherings like? Well, the first couple gatherings we had in a home in a basement. So that was I think we have a picture of that, actually. Up there? That seemed very acts-like, I felt like. Yeah. Is it no, there? the last one? Yeah. I was very pregnant. Yeah, there the we time. go. Look at that. Yeah. That was before um, phone editing. That's, that was still that We were still dating at that time with Holdrode Baptist, the church mm -hmm. name before, yeah. um, to see if this was going to... Be yeah. a thing yeah. but um yeah but they were sweet sweet gatherings everyone was really excited and i think i can only explain it like that that god was stirring up excitement in in people and they kept coming and we're like what i mean we don't know why they're all coming <laughs> which is it's great but you're so we don't have any credentials you know we always think we have to have certain degrees to do certain things but if god calls you to do something he's going to enable you to do them and qualify you to do them and so that's that's very much what we felt but god kept sending them and um and we built community it just started growing from there on out but it was a very very sweet time and a precious time and the people we met during that time are very still very close and dear to us um, so this can kind of be a combination between the two of you and Teresa, but how did you start meeting in this church? <laughs> and Teresa, tell, tell a little bit before you share that about like your, your background here, how you came to, to be part of this church community. Well, um, I became part of Hope Road Baptist Church when it was still another name, but when we moved here in 1966, so I have been here a long time. <laughs> um, and we, um, as the years went on, you know, churches age, and uh, it got to the point where, frankly, we were just tired. We did, as a, and I say we, I mean as a congregation, not necessarily me personally, but 
we did maintenance on the building. We did the upkeep, you know, on the grounds. We did, you know, remodeling. We had church work days at least one Saturday a month. And if you ever work with Frankie Bryant, he will work you to death. So, I mean, we, and we, you know, it got to be a small group and we were just doing everything, ministry and uh, organization and, oh, it was just everything, administration. And we were just tired. I mean, I don't mean we did this for a couple of years. We've been doing this for many years. Amen back there? <laughs> okay. My cohort's back there. So anyway, finally we were like, you know, we just want somebody to come in and take over. We need somebody that has more funds than we have, that has experience just to come in and take over. So we sent out feelers to do that. And I, I mean, at one point I was driving around looking for uh, churches that might be meeting in shopping centers, seeing if maybe they might want it. And when I say take over, I mean, we were giving them the church, the property, which is almost nine acres. Um, we didn't have any debt on it. We had money in the bank. I mean, if we'd wanted to keep going along, we could, but we were tired, <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, we wound up, and I'll make it a long story short, there were three churches that expressed interest. Two of them were big mega churches. One of them was a large church, none of them were small. So, I'm gonna keep this short, two of them dropped out of the running and there was this one. And so they sent a representative to talk to us about what they wanted to do with the church. Now let me say, the whole time, our idea was not that they would take over and we would leave. We wanted somebody to come in and worship with us and help us, you know, continue the ministry of the church. Well, the, minute, the person they sent was not good. Um, his attitude was very negative. Um, in fact, I went up to speak to him after we met and I, he, he said to me, to my face, y'all will be a burden on us. And I'm like, a burden? We're giving you this East Cobb property? I mean, a church building that, okay, it's old, it's been built in the mid 70s, it needs maintenance. The biggest thing we needed at that time, I think, was an air conditioning system. Um, in the park, of course, we'd done all that work ourselves. Um, it needed updating. I said, but, you know, we're handing it over to you. Um, I think Buddy did pay us a dollar. I think we have One a picture. Dollar. Mm -hmm. We have a picture of Buddy handing the committee a dollar. Um, so anyway, it did not sit right with me. Uh, the main thing they wanted it for, I think, was to uh, expand their Christian school and make this the high school. And uh, we already had some, uh, we had a Korean congregation and another congregation that met downstairs and they wanted to, you know, open it up on Sundays for, you know, some kind of, you know, Hispanic congregation, whatever, which is fine. But, you know, it just did not sit right with me. And after he left, other people were coming up to me and they were just like, because he made us feel like we were failures or something. And I thought, we have worked so hard we have ministered to a lot of people. Um, we tended to get people that probably would get lost in a big church. Um, but anyway, it came down that we were going to take a vote to accept their offer, you know, to come in and take over. And it did not sit well with me or with other people. And I was actually in turmoil about it. I mean, I had, like I said, I've been to this church my whole life. When you're talking about memories, um, I met Randy here, we got married here, my oldest son got married here, my mother got remarried here, all my kids and I got baptized here. My son, when he was six weeks old, we placed him on that stage and he was healed of a, of a problem he was having. I mean, you talk about memories, I had a lot of memories and I had a lot of love and I thought there's much more ministry that can go on in this church. So Frankie, who is um, not only a taskmaster, but expert at conducting meetings, you know, in a Baptist church, you have to do everything by the book. <laughs> so anyway, Frankie says, well, we've already decided to have the vote. The vote has to go through, but you can make a motion to delay the vote. So that's what we did. We made a motion to delay the vote. And in the meantime, Don Schaefer had been part of our church years ago till he fell in love with Carol followed her to Grace Snellville, which was obviously a part of the plan, right? Because in the meantime, Don told us about this house church from Grace that was looking for some place to worship. And we're like, well, yeah, we'll let you worship here on Sunday nights, but do you want to take over? 
And, it, and, um, and of course, they're like, yes. So they came and had a meeting with us. We had a good old-fashioned covered dish dinner with them, you know. And it was like a breath of fresh air. All that tension I had, all that turmoil, just meeting them just left. I mean, their big thing, of course, was we want to work with the next generation. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is what we want. We want ministry to continue. And after they left, it was just like a no-brainer. I mean, when we made the vote, there were two people out of the congregation that voted against it. And everybody else, of course, was for it. And I think it is the best decision we made. And it was it, God's hand was in it all over the place, as you can tell, even from Don falling in love with Carol. I mean, and, um, and you know, it was just a learning experience. <laughs> and um, it was, I feel like it's the best thing that could have happened. I have not regretted it, or I think any of us regretted it since. Part of that is because we don't have to do all the work, okay? <laughs> We sit back now when y'all are like cleaning up after a, like today when you set up and clean up, it's not us having you do that on our own. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I think that's enough. Yeah, no, I have one more question. Okay. Um, thanks for sharing all of that, Teresa. Okay. It's just, it's so cool to see like she's sharing what the Lord has, does over so much time. Just, I remember being here one Sunday um, and a, a, a man and his mom who had a walker um, came up to the door and they said, my mom wants to come inside and see the church one more time. Oh, yeah. And she had come here. She was part of the congregation, like you were saying, um, before it even became uh -huh. Holt Road. Um, and it was just beautiful to see, like, this woman who wanted to see her home church just one more time. And I was imagining just the things that she had sown into that community. And so just the Holt Road Baptist crew, who <laughs> there are a bunch of them still here, um, who just established. Just think about all the generations that had been praying in this space, worshiping in this space, just sowing the fruit of the Spirit into this space so that we can receive in it now. It's just so beautiful. And yes, I love that story that Buddy bought this um, this building, this property from Holt Road for $1, which is incredible. It was a truly a gift and a blessing from the Lord. And that's how we see it, that this building was gifted um, to this church community to continue doing the ministry that we're doing today. And it's incredible. Um, okay. So so what, I know not, not everyone from Holt Road stuck around after the house church form. So what compelled you and, and Randy to, to keep hanging out here? Well, I, we never even thought about leaving. In fact, one of the things that they turned this, you know, into what the other church wanted was I didn't know what other church I wanted to go to. You know, I know I'm, and everybody did stay. Now the older folks, we had a lot of like 70, 80 year olds, um, and they stayed at first, but you know, it really wasn't their style. And finally, um, they all as a group really rotated and mutated whatever to another church over here that's very traditional, um, which was fine, but the rest of us stayed. Um, some have moved out since then, but um, yeah, I think everybody else stayed. <laughs> that's amazing. And so yeah, we, like I said, we never had any plans of leaving. We wanted to worship with, you know, the group. That's awesome. Amazing. Um, okay, Avery, can you share your story of how you started coming to Grace Marietta and um, what's con compelled you to continue investing in this community? Sure. So my story is a little different in that I wasn't part of the original house church or Holt Road. Uh, 2015 was when this church started. I was graduating high school that year. I went to Parkview over in Lilburn, um, and I was doing worship and going to Parkview House Church through Grace Snellville. And in Snellville, you know, their youth group's big enough to where each high school had its own house church. Um, and I was going to the church I'd grown up in the whole time. The house church was just on Tuesday nights. And I was doing worship, and um, I decided my senior year I want to go to Kennesaw State. And I was like, all right, cool, I'll find a church up there. And just one day, um, one of the other worship leaders were talking. He goes, hey, you're, you're going to KSU, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, we're planning a church up in Marietta. I'm like, I think that's like nearby, like maybe I should go check it out. Um, so I moved here on a Friday into a dorm at KSU and I showed up the next Sunday and I was expecting it to be like Snellville, like a bunch of people, like high production. And I walk in and there was no more than 20 people. And I stood in the back there looking like very lost, like not lost in my faith, just like lost in life. And, uh, <laughs> And um, Ryan Tuttle walked up to me and goes, hey, bud, like, welcome. And I'm like, hey, like, 
I just moved here like a day ago. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing in life. Like, he goes, well, you know, come in, like, worship with us. And I worshiped, and um, it was like really authentic worship. It was just, you know, acoustic guitar and vocals. And um, I walked up to a worship leader afterwards, and I was like, hey, man, I just moved here. Like, I'd love to, like, maybe explore opportunities to, like, worship here. And he goes, yeah, man, just give me your email. We'll be in touch. And I got an email Tuesday that said, you've been scheduled to play Sunday at Grace Marietta. Classic, <laughs> like, classic church vibes, yes. And I'm like, oh, well, he hasn't even heard me play. Like, I could be terrible. And I was. <laughs> so I show up, and I'm like, hey, thanks for, like, letting me be a part of, like, a band. He goes, this is the first Sunday we've had enough people to have a band. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and very quickly, the few people that were here, and a bunch of them are still here, took time to invest in me. Like I said, I was a freshman in college, first time, like, moving, period, especially, like, away from my parents, and I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I'm sure you've heard the statistic, like, most people who have, like, a strong faith in high school call, will go to college and lose it. And what kept me sticking around here is that people kept investing in me and praying for me. Um, and now I get the opportunity to do that with our youth, um, which is great, so... That's amazing. Thanks for sharing your story, Avery. Um, okay, so that kind of moves into this, this last question that I want to ask. Actually, two questions. Um, I know we're, we're going on time. But um, what values and dreams do you feel are sewn into the story of Grace Marietta from what you all experienced then and what you all see now in the church? Obviously, the next generation, like, the whole Grace family, and especially here at Marietta, is so invested in the next generation. And I love that. Like I said, part of my testimony is because people invested in me, um, I was able to maintain a strong faith in college. Um, so I think that core value is definitely something I love and love to see what God's doing here through that. So when we started, like he said, we're about 20 or so. And um, I, I approached Buddy because I said in my heart, um, this move was started by God. It needs to be sustained with an open heaven. Just this open communication, just, you know, I, I, I wanted this bedrock of prayer to be the sustaining, burning force of Grace Marietta. So I went to Buddy and I said, hey, Buddy, um, you think it would be okay if we started a prayer ministry? in this church and he of course buddy would say yes and 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 it was precious because um there were no adult ministries at the time I mean, it was so new only children's ministries um because denise cox you know came and helped serve in the children's ministry so the first we made an announcement <laughs> permanent prayer prayer meeting on tuesday night i think out of 25 people come to the prayer, I mean, we were like maybe 30, 40 people in the congregation at the time, 25 people come to the prayer ministry, and I'm like, oh, because there's nothing, <laughs> well, I, anyway, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever, it's okay, I love it, I thank God, and of course, my faithful Avery, again, he's, he's the, Avery, can you be the one to play the worship, <laughs> and he's like, what? I barely started, and I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, we'll just, so it, it, this church was founded on prayer and continues in that place of prayer and, pre and, and just presence, just, just continuing that open heaven. I love it that Buddy, he was the most faithful person. Every Tuesday, he lived in Snellville, he would come, he would drive, I mean, I don't know, I would wait, like Tuesday mornings they would have staff meeting. He would stay till seven and be faithful in the prayer meetings for as long as he could until his health failed him again. But I love that about, about him, and I love that about the fact that this, this house was built and continues to be built on, on prayer. Yeah, I would say community. That's a kind of a dot one, but because um, it was founded from a community, that's the first thing we... Like Ryan and I, we, we talked about like what do we, we kind of had a hand in what we wanted this church to look like. And that's the one thing we said is so it needs to have high, like be high on community because 
that's what we've experienced. That's where we saw so much life in our own, just in our own faith that we grew so much through the community we were in. So this was just a, it was a foundation for the church, was the community. People being seen, people being connected. Um, yeah, that was just really important. And another one I would say is servant leadership. I just, and that speaks to all of you. I have never been in a place where there was so many people that were serving so faithfully and gladly. Um, and I remember the early days, Brian and I were on the, we were the production team. And, um, and it, I would be so mad every single Sunday because the projector was always crooked and then the picture, and uh, he would laugh at me. And I would have to sit up front there and push the button to turn the slides from a PowerPoint presentation. I mean, it was comical, but you know, nobody really cared. They were just all happy to serve and be there and do this together for God and to spread the kingdom. And I just, that was, it's just wonderful to think back on those things. And I think that also carried through that servant leadership. Great, okay, one final question. Maybe just one person shares for this. What encouragement do you have to share with our church today? <laughs> it doesn't have to be you, Teresa. They just they wanted to share the mic, you know? Well, um, several things. I think it, she, what she said, community is so important in a church. And, you know, when you become part of a church, it's like being part of a family. And you're going to have troubles and trials. But you stick with them because they're family. And if you do that, if you stick with grace, I mean, you're always going to have people that love you. You will form the deepest friendships you will have the best memories. I mean, I would give anything for the memories I've had of my life through this church. And the friends I have that served alongside me for 20, 30 years at this church are my closest friends. Um, we still meet with Don and other people as part of a house church, which you're welcome to on Thursday nights at Don and Carol's house. Um, the Thursday night group, as it's called. It's a multi-generational group. You know, we have a... Soft plug there. Ten-month-old up to... I don't know who's the oldest of all the rest of us. Anyway, um, so, you know, be part of the church. Serve the church. Um, you will find that, you know, when something happens, who's going to help you first? The church. Your friends from the church. And so that's, what, that's the one kind of encouragement I would give you is, you know, continue to worship, continue to serve, and you will build lots of memories, and you will have lots of friends, and you'll have lots of comfort um, and people you can depend on. Is that encouraging? So encouraging. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Oh, yes, Silvana, you can share one thing. Uh, I just want to share that if God, the one thing I want to say is if God is asking something crazy of you, um, like he asked of us to start a church and we had just real big eyes and didn't know what to do, trust him. Trust that you're hearing from him um, and pray into it because there might be some wonderful journey he's about to take you on and he will equip you. You can trust him in that also. Amazing. Thank you all so much. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for what you have sown into this church for the different stories that you shared with us. Um, Parker, you can go ahead and come on up here. Um, but I just hope that that was encouraging to you all to just hear some of the foundation of this church of how it started in boldness and in taking those steps of faith um, to just build this community. Even the whole road crew who were here who were faithfully stewarding what God had given them and how now we are getting to experience um, that investment today as we worship together.